stones. With all this danger upon danger, why do people come here who live at a safe distance? Though Dagger Tower Pass be firm and grim, and while one man guards it, ten thousand cannot force it. What if he be not loyal, but a wolf toward his fellows? There are ravenous tigers to fear in the day, and venomous reptiles in the night, with their teeth and their fangs ready to cut people down like hemp. Though the city of silk be delectable, I would rather turn home quickly. Such travelling is harder than scaling the blue sky. But I still face westward with a dreary moan. What's this all about? Why are they doing that? What's going on here? It's Curious John. What is he curious about today? At religious events in Taiwan, there are times when gods walk the earth. Specially trained worshippers paint up their faces and don the garb of the eight generals, gods who punish evil and bring good fortune. Through polished choreography and lavish costumes, these human impersonators ritually cast out the bad as well. In Chinese, the eight generals and the art of impersonating them is called Ba Jia Jiang. Ba Jia Jiang has spread through Taiwan for well over a century, spawning regional variations and styles unique to specific troops. This year, the influential Zhen Yutang troop has turned 100. This was the first troop to bring Ba Jia Jiang to the southern city of Jiayi, and it's been held in high esteem locally ever since. Amid celebrations of this big anniversary, the troops Wu Hongyi has taken time to join us by phone for a chat about who these eight generals are, how their dance took root in Taiwan, and what makes the Zhen Yutang troop so special. The eight generals are a class of guardian gods. Mr. Wu says their place in the hierarchy of gods isn't very high, but they do their jobs well. Each of the generals has a specific role. Generals Gan and Liu carry heavy sticks with which to punish wrongdoers. Generals Xie and Fan are like police officers, arresting evildoers. Once in custody, these criminals of the spirit world are put to interrogation by four more generals, the gods of spring, summer, fall, and winter. Accompanying these eight generals are two more characters, called the civil and military officials. It's all a bit like a spiritual police force. When do people dress up as these gods? Mr. Wu says there are several scenarios he can think of, but the most common one is when the main god of a temple is out. Things like processions and pilgrimages see gods absent from their temples from time to time. When this happens, they need substitutes to keep order in the area around the temple. The Ba Jia Jiang dance helps keep this order until the main god returns. With fearsome face paint, aggressive poses borrowed from martial arts, and loud music, it's no wonder evil forces would run away. Each of the eight generals wears a specific pattern of face paint that makes them easy to identify. Like 
General Gan's face, for instance, has clearly defined yin and yang sides, with patterns in one color dominating each half. General Liu's makeup has an exaggerated mouth and eyes done at skewed angles. General Xie's makeup has a white base with a stylized dagger drawn on his forehead and shapes around the eyes that suggests flying bats. Meanwhile, General Fan's makeup has a black base and designs mimicking ancient Chinese coins, the kinds with holes in the middle, on his cheeks. The gods of the seasons have their own symbolic makeup too. The god of the spring has a lotus flower on his forehead, while the god of summer has a gourd. The god of fall is made up to look like a mythical bird, and the god of winter wears tiger makeup. The color schemes for each god's outfit are largely fixed too, as are the props each holds. How literal are these representations of gods meant to be? Do the gods being portrayed come down and take over their impersonators? Mr. Wu says there are stories of possession, but that Ba Jiajiang is mostly figurative and ritual, just people dressed up as the gods. Ba Jiajiang began in the city of Fuzhou on China's southeast coast. During the era when China's imperial Qing dynasty ruled Taiwan, the practice crossed the Taiwan Strait, brought over by homesick officials or soldiers stationed here. Ba Jiajiang first took root in the southern city of Tainan, early on Taiwan's chief town. But as time went on and transportation improved, it spread to other parts of the island too. In 1918, a hundred years ago, the practice came to the city of Jiayi. This was a period when Taiwan was under Japanese colonial rule, and traditional religious practices were under pressure. Still, Ba Jiajiang spread. Jiayi was then a thriving city with a booming logging industry, and its prosperity attracted people. Among the arrivals was the founder of the Zhen Yutang troupe, Cai Lian. Cai had learned the various arts of the Ba Jiajiang dance in Tainan. He decided to put his skills to work in Jiayi after sensing that the chief god in the city's Ciji temple was a powerful one, able to cure worshippers of sickness and to solve their problems. Ba Jiajiang is an act of service to the gods, and this, he felt, was one god worth serving. The troupe he founded was successful, and it's been attached to Ciji Temple ever since, filling in when the main god is out. Mr. Wu says one important point about Ba Jiajiang is that those involved, the performers you might say, never make any money from their portrayals. These portrayals are acts of devotion, and everyone involved works regular jobs. That doesn't mean that these are amateur quality performances, though. Training has always been serious, and though it's down to around three months today, it used to be that no new recruit could go out there and perform until they'd had at least a year of practice. Not just anyone can get involved either. Troops have always considered the character of a potential new member. Once again, this is an act of service to the gods, not a display of martial arts virtuosity. You have to be an upright person to do it. Also key in a new recruit were physical strength and stamina. Face painting often takes place the night before a big day of ceremonies, and performers can't sleep. The ceremonies can then go on for an entire day. Today, with far more office jobs, the troops aren't so strict about time commitments. 
but new members must still show good character and strength. There are other commitments too. Recruits must pledge to take the main god of their troop's temple as their patron god, and to accept the troop leader as their teacher. Each troop has its own lineage of masters. Still, the dance is not set in stone. The past 100 years have seen Jiayi performances take on their own character. Even the Zhen Yutang troupe itself has developed in new directions, doing some things differently from the way its founder Cai Lian would have done them. Mr. Wu says that in Jiayi, the dance movements have become more forceful. The choreography, meanwhile, tends to favor having the eight gods split into pairs and mirror each other's movements. Even in Jiayi, though, the Zhen Yutang troupe, with its innovation, stands out. The troupe's second and third leaders refine the makeup, borrowing influences from Peking opera and making the lines thinner. The performers wear looser-fitting pants than other troops. Of course, as the first troop in town, Zhen Yutang has also introduced innovations that have become standard in the whole area. These include performing in sandals, something that started out as a way to save expenses on shoes, but which Jiayi troops have stuck with because the sandals are easier to perform in. Mr. Wu says that Ba Jiajiang is still widely popular in Taiwan. There have been challenges to its popularity. A shift from a farming society to an industrialized one has made it harder to get committed regulars to join the troupe. And since Ba Jiajiang is often performed on weekdays, it's hard for many people to make it. Meanwhile, some people have developed an unfortunate prejudice against Ba Jiajiang. In some troops, many of the performers were young dropouts who'd quit school and so had plenty of time on their hands. Troop activities were filled with liquor, smoking, and betel nut chewing. Combined with the forceful, even violent movements of the gods, and some people came to associate Ba Jiajiang with less than savory characters. But Mr. Wu says the Zhen Yutang troupe has escaped this prejudiced view. It hasn't relaxed its standards, and all of its members are only there to serve the gods. Mr. Wu says that with colorful costumes and makeup, careful training, and expert choreography, his troupe can still draw a crowd in Jiayi, even a hundred years after its founding. I'm Curious John, and I'll see you again next week. Live from the studio. A sneak peek at what goes on behind the scenes at RTI. Well, no matter how much one loves living in Taiwan, and there certainly are lots of reasons, foreign nationals are bound to experience cultural shock at some point, and they'll have to face the local customs that are sometimes difficult to adjust to. In this episode, we'll continue our conversation with Shirley Lin on her show in the spotlight and address the topic. Yes, I think probably mostly, and now I remember, is、um, if any, it's in the workplace. You know the the, the company policies and、oh. you know、um, how you communicate, 
and or or you know these Taiwanese bosses, you know what they expect of you, and they find it really hard to adjust to, you know things like that. Yeah. Is it that um, Taiwanese supervisors ask a lot out of them, or is it that they're not being direct? Um, they care more about the the way things are done, uh, you know, like the process. But I think most foreigners, or like from Western countries, um, bosses, they care more about the end result. Having worked in Taiwan myself for a few years now, I can understand some of the frustrations that foreign nationals have experienced. Whether it is in a professional environment or in everyday life, people's expectations from one another in Taiwan is drastically different from that of a typical Western society. Take interpersonal communication, for instance. People in Taiwan are mostly very polite and reserved. They prioritize courtesy above all else, and try to avoid conflicts or unpleasant moments. As a result, they tend not to directly express their thoughts and emotions. This type of behavior makes sense when we look at Taiwan's history and cultural makeup. Taiwan has been part of China for over 400 years, and has long had its cultural roots in Confucianism. The rather reserved attitude was further enhanced among the people in Taiwan, most of whom are Han Chinese, during the Japanese colonization of the land between 1895 and 1945. When foreign national, especially those from the Western Hemisphere, arrive and live in Taiwan for a while, they will inevitably find this culture confusing, if not downright frustrating, from time to time. They very often have to guess what a native Taiwanese person has to say, since the meaning is not directly expressed, but it is hidden between the lines. And misinterpretation could often happen as a result. The situation doesn't get much better at workplaces, like some of the guests have revealed during their conversation with Shirley. The expectations of Taiwanese bosses and supervisors are different from those in Western establishments. Companies in the West tend to value efficiency and productivity above all else. And having worked in Canada for a few years, I can certainly agree. Therefore, reaching the end point, whether it's a sales goal or a certain target, is the most important thing. Whereas the procedure or the particular method that an employee adopts to reach that goal is normally not everyone's concern. That is not so much the case here in Taiwan. The work culture is very different. There is often a preset, rigid set of procedures in a workplace, and all the employees are expected to adhere to that procedure. Hence, foreign nationals often find it hard to adjust to this kind of environment. The day-to-day -day hiccups could add up to enough frustration over time that some people choose to leave, like the person Shirley mentioned in her interview. It certainly is a case of different strokes for different folks. Some choose to come to this island for a short visit, whereas others could uproot their entire family and resettle here. Whereas some, unfortunately, feel like it is not for them after all, and they would leave afterwards. 
please tune back in next week, and we'll wrap up this mini-series covering Shirley's radio show in the spotlight. I'm Jake Chen. Talk to you next week. together already. It's time to feast! Sit down at the table with Andrew Ryan and Ellen Chu on Feast Meets West. Hello, welcome to the feast. This is Ellen Chu. This is Andrew Ryan. Okay, today's topic <laughs> is you don't know squat about radish, okay? <laughs> you don't know squat. Do you know why we uh, came up with that topic? Well, I think, you know, um, it, it's, it's a game because you said challenge, right? Yes, last week You're going to do the squat mm-hmm. and I'm going to... You know, be tested on radish. I'm That's ready. Right. Come on. So, so what you make. <laughs> All right. <laughs> She's fired up and ready. Uh. So, if you haven't guessed, this is about radishes. But why, why squat? You don't know squat about radishes. What does that got to do with squatting? Mm. Can you think of something in Chinese that has something to do with radishes and squatting? Radish in Chinese is luobo. Yep. Uh huh. And squatting. Yes. So basically, it's a game that kids in Taiwan play. Can you tell us what this game is? What is it? What is? What does it mean? It's it's just kind of like you know, lobodun, lobodun. It's like honobodun, honobodun. Yes. Yeah. It's like everybody assign a color. Yeah. So I'd be like the white radish. (laughs) So you be the white. I'll be like. Pink, the red okay? one. <laughs> like, hong lobotun, hong lobotun, bai lobotun, and then you need to dun. And so then, and I would have to, like, squat like, as I'm saying lobotun, it. Bai lobotun, bai lobotun, bai lobotun, uh, lobotun. hey lobotun, you know. And so you, like, squat, you, like, kind of bounce right. as you're saying it. So you're, like, you're doing dun-na-na, the squat, as you say. Yeah. Like, so basically, it's a test of the kids to make sure that they're listening, right? Mm-hmm. And then, like, they're, they're also having to squat. They're kind of having to, like, bounce a little mm-hmm. bit as they do it. So, it's a test of their physical right. ability. And then they have to think of another person it's, afterwards. It's kind of like the musical chair, in a way. It is. But we also played a thing where we would do, like, we would go... Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Andrew, Ellen. And you'd have to say, Ellen, Tracy. You uh-huh. have to, right? You have to yeah, be listening. Yeah, to do the beat. You have to listen for mm-hmm. your name. So, we're going to be doing both squatting and... Radishes in today's program. I thought it was a fun way to tie okay. the two together. Should so, we check we'll out what's check on our, our menu? menu? 
In our first course, we're going to kick things off by testing Andrew's ability to squat and discussing why what? it's so hard, oh, for, so foreigners. hard for foreigners. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they call it the Asian squat. There was actually a piece in the Atlantic about how foreigners in Asia have a difficult time doing it. And you know you have to do it for a lot of the toilets. Oh, yeah. So, but I had to do that training because when I came back from the States... You couldn't do squats? I couldn't do squats. <laughs> I couldn't do squats because I never learned how to use... To squat a in squatter a toilet, yes. Right. We're gonna get into that in our first course today. In All our right. second course, we're gonna move on to radishes in a game that we're calling You Don't Know Squat About Radishes. Okay. Little quiz. Are you ready for that, Ellen Chu? Of course. I said I'm ready. Okay. In our third course. Okay, third and final course, we're going to sample radish cake and the savory kind we eat for breakfast. Great. That's right. We say cake, it sounds like a sweet dish, but actually this is a savory dish. Mm. Yes. Okay. But first, to kick things off, we're going to have a song that's related to radishes. Okay, it's called... Bong Lobo. Bong Lobo. I think it is. It's, a, it's, it's in Hakka, the Hakka oh. language. Bong Lobo, Bong Lobo, Bong Lobo. <laughs> is it like that? I think so, maybe. Okay. It's definitely sung with kids. We're going to have a listen. It's probably like Ba Lobo, Bong Lobo. Well, you have a listen. You can tell okay. me what you think in the first All right. Part. All right, this is by Lee Senshang. Back in a moment. <laughs> Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
This is the part where you're gonna test me if I can see if I can squat properly or not. Okay. So, so. are you gonna do it here? <laughs> well, let's talk about it first. Okay. I feel more comfortable talking about it first before I actually make a fool out of myself. All right. Trying to squat. Why can't everyone do the Asian squat? This is the question, okay? This is an article I found actually from March of this year from the Atlantic, written by uh, I, what I believe is a Chinese American woman or uh -huh. Taiwanese American woman. Her name is Sarah Zhang. Uh, probably Chinese, Chinese American. Chinese because it's Zhang. Z H A N G. Uh -huh. Yep. So basically, it is a squat where your legs are close together and mm -hmm. you're not standing on your toes. Mm. So if you have to have your feet flat on the ground. Mm -hmm. And I think when most Americans squat, like if you see pictures of American squatting, we squat like just on our toes. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about a gym squat, right? I'm not talking mm -hmm. about the kind with weights and like, right. you know. I'm talking about where you squat with both squat. of your... Yeah. So I'm going to try to squat. You okay. can see. And these, this is what you need to do to like sit on a squat or mm -hmm. toilet. So this is how Americans squat, right? Right. But if I put my heels down. You can do that? I can't do that. I can. But I have uh -huh. to have my I have to have my arms straight out. If I have my arms on my side. Okay. <laughs> I fall over. But I fall over if I have my arms down. But I, if I put my arms straight out in front, I can do it. Okay. I think you can probably do it, can't you? No. Oh, come on, Alan Chu. You can do Let it. Let me try. Give it a shot. She can. Oh. You're totally fine. Okay. You're, you're genetically predisposed to being able to do this. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's, it's, I think, psychologically, too. Because you you're mean? not used to it. Well, you're, you're right. You're not used to it either, I wasn't right? used to it until I came back to Taiwan. Because, or I went to China, right? Right. I was forced to use these kind of toilets. <laughs> you have to balance. You know, if you don't balance right, you're going to fall over. So, I mean, it should be mentioned that squat toilets are not unique to Asia. I've definitely seen them also in France. I saw a squatter toilet once. Really? In Europe like, too? Yeah, they had little blocks and you stand on the blocks oh, okay. and then you has a little hole in between them. So, it's not a specifically Asian thing, but it seems like it's something that's very common in Asia, right? Mm -hmm. So, a 2009 study in Japan found that men who found it impossible to deep squat had particularly inflexible ankles. Oh, wow. So, you know, when you're born, you have very flexible ankles. So, kids have no problem squatting. And actually, human beings are born squatters. Mm. We just lose it the older we get. True. I believe that. But, you know, body shape <laughs> seems to play a role. Short limbs, big head, and long torso make it easy <laughs> to balance. That's what she says. I didn't say that. Okay. Again, why? Toddlers have it so easy. Yeah. Who is this girl? Sarah Zhang. Sarah Zhang. <laughs> so there's another group of people who are very pro-squatting, and it's those who believe that America's bowel problems can be blamed on toilet seats. Mm -hmm. So apparently if you squat, mm -hmm. it has to do with the anorectal angle. The deeper you squat, the straighter your anorectal passages and the, the easier the, the, the bowel movement comes out. I think this has medical, you know, backing. I think so. Because, you know, I was given a gift by this company. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a... It's like a stool, right? A stool that helps you to put your feet, to prop it up. When you're going to the bathroom. Right. 
And so then, if you're sitting on the seat, you can still put your feet up. It feel it. It's like sitting there, you know, but you you're squatting. And does it does it does it work? It works. Actually, it's the real it helps deal. you. Where, where can I get one? <laughs> I don't know. I'll, I'll find it for you. Look into it for yeah, me. Yeah, and then it too. fits perfectly with your toilet seat. And it's perfect because then you can still be sitting, right. which is familiar to us. And you're propping your feet like you're squatting. Wow, the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. The best of both worlds. That is the best invention. First, when I received this, I'm just like, why does this person send me like a, <laughs> a stool? And, you know, it's like a long shape and it fits perfectly like a, around the toilet. Around right? the toilet. Do you pull it out when you use it, or you yeah, use? you pull it out a little bit. Okay, and then, and you, then can you push it back. All right. When we come back in our second course, we're gonna have a little pop quiz about radishes. Mm. And as usual with these pop quizzes, they're pretty hard. So like, they're if you for get the a, brain. If you get a lot wrong, like it, I totally won't hold it okay. against you. All right. I see. I see you looking anxious every time I give you a pop quiz. Like I am. I always <laughs> do pretty well. Okay. Uh, we'll see how you do today. All right. We're gonna go into another song. This right. is called Ma Tong. Toilet. Ma Tong, Ma Tong. <laughs> ren, ren, ha. That's cute. Right. Uh, so this is by Chen Xiaochun, Jordan Chan, and mm-hmm. Liu Dehua, Andy Lau. I guess right. this goes back to when he was like a, a spokesmodel for toilets, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Which is hilarious. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't turn it down, but, you know. Okay. okay. Have a listen. good. Big sales. 我的家有个马桶完了以后逍遥又轻松秋, you ready for your pop quiz? Give it to me. Give it to you, baby. Okay. This is the You Don't Know Squat about radishes pop quiz. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is December, and white radishes in southern Taiwan are in season, so they aren't too bitter. But by December, the radishes of northern Taiwan are already bitter. That's the whole reason why we're doing a radish-related show today. Mm-hmm. Um, so our first question, mm-hmm. there is a Chinese dish called Luobogao, which we talked about earlier, which is often made in Cantonese dim sum restaurants, and it's also eaten for breakfast here in Taiwan. It is often called a turnip cake, but is it made from radishes or turnips? 
Hmm. Radish. Very mm-hmm. good, Ellen Chu. You got your first question mm-hmm. right. So it is indeed a radish. It is made from a radish called daikon in mm-hmm. Japanese or dagen in Chinese. It's the big bailuobo. It's the big bailuobo, the big white right. radish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the one that we most commonly use here in Taiwan. For soup and everything. Mm. Mm-hmm. I used to hate that smell of it. Really? I, would I smell love it. it like, dun, like the oh. stewed version. Okay. But I like it now. Mm-hmm. So, number two, true or false, this white radish, which is known as daikon, is a lucky symbol of prosperity in Taiwan. Yes. Mm-hmm. That is correct. How do you know that? Expl- explain it, explain it. Okay, so uh, the radish in, in uh, Chinese is called tol, mm-hmm. right? So, hao tol, hao tol. It just sounds like good luck. Tai tol and tai tol, right? Right, tai tol. Sounds like prosperity, right? Prosperity. Okay, right. the start of prosperity. When do they usually use that? Is that Chinese New Year? Uh, openings, Chinese New Year, uh, any kind of celebration. Mm, anytime when you need money. Right, prosperity. <laughs> I like it, I like it. Business openings, right. So th- number three, there are actually very many different kinds of radishes around the world. Mm-hmm. True or false, there is one variety which is called the watermelon radish because it is green on the outside and red on the inside uh no there is a watermelon really yeah red inside red inside green on the outside i thought it's just winter melon no No? okay definitely is one okay so number four radishes are produced mainly in by china japan and south korea and represent roughly two percent of all of the global vegetable production True or false, radishes are also thought to be one of the first European vegetables brought to the Americas. True. You're doing mm-hmm. good today, Alan yeah. You're three to one. That is accurate. Mm-hmm. All right, number five, we're going to go on to a Japanese radish called the Sakurajima radish. Mm-hmm. It is a hot-flavored variety that is typically grown to around 10 kilograms. That's about mm-hmm. 22 pounds. If you leave it in the ground, how big can it grow? Is it A, 15 kilograms, B, 20 kilograms, C, 30 kilograms, or D, 100 kilograms? Hmm, 100. 30 should be. Yeah, it's 30. Okay. Yeah, 30 is pretty big, though. I know. All right. So, number six. True or false, while turnips are best eaten cooked, radishes can be eaten raw. True. That is very true. Mm-hmm. We often have them in salads. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and also like they shave them. Right. So you're doing good. You're mm-hmm. up to four correct, two incorrect. Mm-hmm. Number seven, true or false? A raw radish is fifty percent water. True. Wrong. It's ninety-five percent water. It has a lot of water content. It's a ton of water. Okay, but ninety percent—that's a lot. It's <laughs> a lot. Uh huh. Rutabagas this is number eight. And your final question: If you get this right, you win. If you get this wrong, you get a you get fifty percent. <laughs> <laughs> Rutabagas are also a similar type of vegetable to a turnip or a radish. In fact, they are a cross between a turnip and what? Is it a an apple? B a cabbage? C a bagel? <laughs> D a cantaloupe? Two. B. <laughs> <laughs> Which is cabbage. Right. 
You are correct, Ellen yeah. Chu. You did well. Yeah. You got a five out of eight. <laughs> Very good. You didn't you didn't think it was a bagel? No. <laughs> Ruta bagel? <laughs> I thought that was funny. I know. Do you know when I was in um, junior high school when we were standing on stage mm-hmm. and we had to, we were part of the, like the ensemble and we mm-hmm. had to look like we were talking? You know, amongst ourselves, but without speaking out loud, uh-huh. like our just our mouths were uh-huh. moving, we would say rutabaga cantaloupe, rutabaga cantaloupe, rutabaga cantaloupe, because it looks like you're saying a lot of things. Oh, really? Yeah, rutabaga cantaloupe, rutabaga cantaloupe, rutabaga cantaloupe. Really? It makes your mouth move a lot. Okay. Our drama teacher taught us that. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, I thought that was a fun addition to our show. Oh, that's fun. And fun, you yeah, know, fun. you never knew that you talk about it yes. in your show. I didn't even know what a rutabaga was <laughs> until I looked it up. <laughs> what does it look like? I never had it. I can show you. It's a, it's purple. It's purple and fat. It looks kind of like a turnip. Do we eat it in Chinese food? I don't Not think really, so. Huh? Let's see what it is in Chinese. See if they even have it. It is called... Wujinganlan. Oh, actually, I think we do eat this. Oh, and actually, this is interesting because turnips are called wujing. Ganlan mm-hmm. is cabbage. Mm-hmm. So it is, in Chinese, you can see that it's a mashup of a turnip and a cabbage, mm. which we wouldn't have known. No. Because we rarely eat them. Mm. So there you go. <laughs> right. If you want to eat a turnip, a radish, or a rutabaga in Taiwan, mm. your best bet is you're going to get a daikon, which is a kind okay. of radish. A daikon. Yes. Okay. Okay, so we have a luobo gao mm-hmm. or a radish cake here in the studio. Mm-hmm. This is not a dessert. It is... A savory dish, right? A savory dish. What a small piece. And so what they do is they take radishes and shave them up and stir fry them a little bit. Mm-hmm. You um, actually put a lot of water in it, so you're not really stir frying it. more like cooking it. But Set it aside. There and, is also carrots in there. Carrots? That's strange. Oshami oh, or carrots. I don't know. Usually they put like little shrimp in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but just an idea of what goes oh, into lobogao. It's shrimp. Baby shrimp. Baby shrimp? Mm-hmm. Okay. What One else goes Chinese into turnip daikon radish, about 20 ounce, grated. One cup of water, oil. One tablespoon dried shrimp, washed, soaked, and chopped. Three to five dry Chinese black mushroom washed, soaked, and chopped. I don't see mushroom in here. Well, they don't always put them in every one, right? Chinese sausage diced. A little bit, I think. A scallion. Scallion chopped. And then this is the main thing. This is what really pulls it together Mm -hmm. is a cup of rice flour. Mm. That's what gives the the cake a a chewy consistency. Also, tablespoon of cornstarch. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And then you have salt, sugar, white pepper to taste. You cook it all up, mm-hmm. and then you set it aside, and then you put it in a pan, and you steam it. Mm. So you steam it into a big block, then you mm. let it sit, and then you slice it, and you can eat it right like that. Okay. But most people will then um, take it and fry it. Okay. Like pan fry it. So it ends up tasting nice and savory with just a hint of radish. It doesn't Not taste bad. very radishy, does mm-hmm. it? No. It has a strong taste of the shrimp. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It has a strong taste of shrimp and a little bit of a porky taste. Right. So, I don't see the pork dice in there, though. Oh. I definitely have a mouthful of... Really? Of, um, oh, oh, kind of like bacon bits. Yeah, bacon bits. Right? Bacon bits. That's right, bacon ah, bits. Ah, okay. <laughs> Just like grits. 
But when it's done nice, it's really nice. Mm-hmm. It can this be is not crispy. Bad. That's mm-hmm. not bad. It's just it's been, just cold now. It's just been sitting around for a little while. Right. Yeah. Since morning. Yeah. Well, okay. you know. That's okay. Mm. Yeah, someday when we have like a TV show, Alan Chu, we're going to have a studio with all these um, assistants Uh and fresh ingredients and we can just cook it up right here. Wow. That will be the day. That will be the day. That will be the day of Feast Meets West. (laughs) I think so. We like scallion, onion. Put it in the pan. <laughs> what do you think I am? I'm the host. I'm not going to cook it, too. What are you talking like, about? Hurry. Okay. <laughs> like a dark on one side. That's too dark. Golden brown. Start again. Okay. <laughs> dream, dream, dream. People always move along with dreams. It's, you know, it's, it's important to dream big, it Ellen Chu. It is important. Uh, well, someday we could do a food show. Why not? I mean, yeah. we've been doing a food show for uh-huh. 10 years. How do we parlay this into a big TV career? Right. You know, it's like my kids dream, you know, it's sometimes it's just wonderful to listen to them dream. Like, you know, it's after Thanksgiving, they're writing their letters to Santa Claus. Oh, my goodness. And Ryan wrote, okay, dear Santa, I've been good, so I'm wishing for a Nintendo Switch. But if that's not okay, a bow and arrow is okay. <laughs> and if that's not okay, then world peace. <laughs> I can have coal, too. Yeah, coal's okay. We can barbecue. That's all you good, know, It's right? so funny reading his, you know, little note. Yeah. Well, that's our show called You Don't Know Squat About Radishes. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Ellen Chu does know squat about radishes. I do. And I know radish about squats. Uh, you really can't squat. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Try it squat right now ladies and gentlemen you know to test out if your ankle you know tendons are loosened up <laughs> i think the real trick is if you can put both your feet right together flat on the ground and then squat all the way down and squatting is healthy it is healthy right so you know 20 to 30 squat per day yeah we'll give you a nice gluteus maximus yes yes Very which nice. we like we okay? like a nice gluteus maximus yes all right. Well, that is our show today. We're going to uh, give you our addresses just in case you feel like writing All to us. right. <laughs> or you can send your Christmas letters to us. Yes. Okay. Your Santa wishes. December yep. 8th. Yes. Okay. No guarantees that we can deliver any bows and arrows or Nintendos. Right. But anyway, so write to us at P.O. Box 123-109, Tepe, Taiwan. Email us at A-N-D-R-O-O at rti.org.tw. She caught me yawning. Yeah. I'm going to like put a bowl in there, Oh, okay? don't do it. Next All Saturday right. on The Feast, we're going to do a special wedding show. Did you know that December is one of the most important months for getting married? Really? I thought it was like June. June also. Bright. Also. Okay. Yeah. I got married in December. I know. You're such a trendy person. Oh, I know. I set the trend. You're right? a trendsetter. <laughs> uh-huh. An influencer. Yeah. All right. But, final you know, do song. join us, okay? It's entering the celebration of December. That's right. We okay. have like only three shows left and this Santa's year. And Santa's coming this year? I don't know if Santa's going to come this year. Maybe. Maybe. If Have you been naughty or nice? Well, I'll invite him and ask him if, you know, <laughs> he's going to give Ryan a Nintendo or a bowl and arrow. Okay. Oh, and then he tunes in and finds out. Oh, uh, that'd be really sad. No, no, he's okay. Really? Yeah. Well, maybe you can whisper in in, uh, in, in Santa's ear. Yeah. And then Santa can respond the, the correct way. <laughs> It's okay. You know, I think Ryan's uh, very easygoing. Uh-huh. It's like if you give him bow and arrow, he would very, be very happy and appreciative. He would say, oh, yeah, this is just what I asked for. He's a good kid. He's a good <laughs> kid. Yeah. So that's funny. That is funny. Yeah. 
Alrighty, one final song. Okay. This is called. Hi, 早安用早餐 Hi, good morning. Have, Have breakfast. breakfast. <laughs> okay. That was for our little bogal, our little radish cake we just had there. Okay. All right. This by by Xiao Huangqi. What's his English name?、Okay. Ricky Xiao. Ricky Xiao. Ricky. Okay. All right. For Fisu Sun, I'm Andrew Ryan. And this is Ellen Chu. Bye. Bye bye. 空气就像桌上蜗居一样清脆，你到底歪？拿去拿去，烧着它还要更多的面包屑，紧密的通关风里，等清晨的风来到就很完美。亲爱的，不要再皱眉，讨厌这个世界，生命应该要像早餐般愉悦，不要再流眼泪，拒绝这个世界。是不我的无趣。的橄榄油热了些，鲑鱼带来满屋海水的挪威，一小吃远方岸第十三的夜，整个室内都听得见飘落的雪，怪不得蜜蜂讨厌，我的油烟打扰了他的向日葵，加一点轻快音乐，一次早餐就一次美丽的世界。Served. Join Andrew Ryan and Ellen Chu as they sample their way through Taiwan's culinary delights. Andrew, I thought we said no more intestines. <clears throat> That's on Feast Meets West every Saturday, only on Radio Taiwan International, radio for refined palates.
From a fruit market in Tel Aviv to a fish seller in Taipei, the people of our world are working hard to make a living. Are you listening? Tune in to the sounds of your world on Radio Taiwan International. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.